411 Live. Where you can learn about issues that affect us every day. State of world, 411 Live. Real people, real talk. Made to help people in our community in every way. For your girl, 411 Live. This has to be a parent's worst nightmare to get a text message that your daughter is hurt. The reason? She was in a stolen car with Kia boys. There was an accident, a crash, and she was critically injured. Hello everyone, I'm Beverly Taylor. and This is the 411 Live, real people, real talk. Today we are going to be talking about the rash of stolen cars, kids who steal them, and the impact of reckless driving. I have two guests with me today, Cornelius Hall, and he's a, a return guest. He is a violence interrupter, and so we thank him for coming back. And Crystal Holmes, who is that parent that I was talking about. Crystal, first of all, let me say that I'm really sorry. Thank you. That this happened to your daughter. How is she doing? She's progressing. She's doing good. Yeah? Yes. Her injuries were? Severe. To say the least, right? Yes, severe. Not going to go into details, but severe. Okay. But she's strong. Yeah. She's pushing through. She's always been a strong kid since knee high. Yeah. She was always a fighter. She was always that child that just, just go. Yeah. Go for it. Go for it for whatever. So she is, she's pushing from her signs and how long it's been is incredible. Because this accident happened, what, mid-July? Yeah, like July 22nd. 23rd. Okay. okay. I said that you got this information from a text. Is that right? Actual or? inbox. An inbox. Yeah. I was at home. It was late. I was doing, you know, doing my nightly routine. So yeah. getting in the shower, getting out, you know, so I can go lay down and relax. You know, that whole day was not like I felt funny that whole day, to be honest. And it's just like, I couldn't believe it. I just... Here I am getting out the shower, and my phone's just constantly going off. I mean, like, literally, back-to-back, -back, my messages are just ringing back-to-back. -back. Then I'm getting phone calls. Then I'm getting regular text messages. And it's just like, okay, which one should I open first? Should I just respond to the calls, yeah. respond to the text messages, the inboxes? Which one? So it's like, okay, go to the messages. No one really hits me up on Facebook Messenger like that, mm -hmm. but besides people I talk to really. So I go on there and it's like, I'm seeing like six, seven different messages from different kids that know my daughter. I see pictures, screenshot of her sitting in a car, then they send me the video. I didn't even fully watch the video. It's like, I press play, I see her. And then I'm like, okay. Then my phone rings, I answer the phone. They like, what an accident looked like is over there near your house. Only thing I can do is just slip on some shoes, wake my sister up. And I go to the, the accident. Right. She's not there. I'm trying to get questions out of the police officers. At that point, it's like they're clueless. They don't know nothing. And I'm like, okay, no one's going to tell me anything. So I'm like, okay, she was in an accident before. They took her to Children's. I get there. They don't have her. They don't know where she is. Then they're like, okay, well, maybe you should try Freighter. I go to Freighter. They don't have a clue who she is. So oh, then goodness. I'm like, okay. Her school ID is at home. Maybe she didn't have no type of identification mm -hmm. because that's the only identification she has. So if I'm like, if that's at home, then my only question is, can you look up under Jane Doe? She's listed under Jane Doe her whole stay. 
Oh, she was listed yeah. under Jane yeah. Doe. She was listed under Jane Doe for a while. Then it switched to Honolulu Doe. Oh. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> right. No matter how much I asked them to switch her name the correct way, she couldn't. Only due to the fact because of the medications they was giving her, she wouldn't have been able to receive if they would have switched her name in the system. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, my God. So she was at Children's. No, she was actually at Freighter. She was at Freighter. Yes. Okay. Tra- I guess the trauma. Yeah, because yeah. of the trauma. And I'm looking, at, at first I was like, okay, why would she be at Freighter if she's a child? Yeah. You know, I expect her to be at Children's. But then I thought about it like, okay, it's the severe damage, the injuries mm-hmm. is why she's at Freighter. Mm-hmm. And you can just imagine my face, my body expression when I walked in the room to see my baby the way she looked just hooked up to everything and it's just like it mind-blowing yeah how's mom doing now mom is doing good now yeah i mean mom still has her days her breaking points mm-hmm. even sometimes me talking about the situation sometimes i do cry but it's like now i'm able to talk about the situation mm-hmm. without crying you know okay but i'm i'm doing good i'm strong that's probably what she get us around. <laughs> well, Me, so. I, I'm grateful that you're willing to to come and talk to us mm. about this. Yeah, because it's like, if nobody else is going to reach out to these kids, then who? Yeah. You know, I talk about it all the time. Not saying my daughter is perfect because she's not. No one's perfect. She being with the wrong kids. Maybe it's not even her being with the wrong kids. Maybe it was her deciding to do it. But, you know, she, she had a lifestyle of being in stolen cars, driving them, you know. And... Me as a mother, trying doing my job to keep her away from it. You know, I did everything I could. You know, I'm I'm a single parent, so I'm always busy. If it's not with her, then it's with the five other siblings of hers. So you know, I have a pretty big job to do um, as far as taking care of them, working, now dealing with her, being in the hospital mm-hmm. to make time to go see her and all of that. I think I'm doing a good job. Wow, you have, you have six kids. Yes. Oh, wow. Youngest is five. And you're working. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. Let's talk about this whole Kia boys, Kia girls thing. And I'm going to start with you first, Cornelius. What is the attraction? It's part of our culture. It's really become part of, uh, I'm going to call it Midwestern culture with our youth. It's all in our rap music. I mean, Milwaukee, we even have a sound of music that is very fast paced and it's meant to be listened to while driving fast. It really just comes down to the fact that it's kind of ingrained in our culture now. Mm-hmm. It kind of came out of nowhere, mm-hmm. but it's here to stay for sure. Right. Yeah. To really throw out there for the parents, it doesn't matter what you do as a parent. You can raise them the best you can. It could be mm-hmm. a two parent household. If this is the path they want to take. They're going to take it. The kids are influencing each other. Our rap music, our Instagram messages, every, everything is influencing them in the Midwest, of course, to do this. But also some of our kids are homeless. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're doing it. You know, it's, it's like so, a forming a community. Kind yes, of thing. it's his own community in itself. So from what I've noticed with the Kia boys and Kia girls, it's conduit into the underworld of Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So once they join that, you make decisions. Are you going to go to the next step of criminality or is this not for you? Well, you know what? And I I had that in my head because I was going to ask you about it later. But since (laughs) you hit it, I want to ask you about it now, because when I had talked to you before, you gave me the the similarity of the Kia boys to marijuana. Yes, Gateway, gateway, for sure. So 
Uh, to kind of break that down once again, the Kia Boys, it is a gateway. So you, just like marijuana, you go to better strains of it, higher strains. And to, for some people, that ain't good enough. And then you've gotten comfortable with uh, the marijuana. So Percocets and other drugs are mm-hmm. okay now, you know, because you're, you're, used, you're comfortable with being high. Right. I can say the same thing for the Kia Boys and Kia Girls. You get comfortable with the fast-paced lifestyle of stealing cars. You get comfortable with the danger. And unfortunately, you become used to your friends dying or going to jail. Mm-hmm. So it's easier for you to take that next step into an official street gang where drugs are being sold, mm-hmm. where people are being robbed at gunpoint, where you're having rivalries that uh, turn into shootouts on site with each other. It all goes hand in hand. Yeah, yeah. Crystal, I'm hearing that, and you said you knew that your daughter had this was into stolen cars. Yes, she was. That's why I tell people, like, I don't sugarcoat anything. I don't try to make my child seem like she's just this perfect kid or this good kid that just never does nothing wrong. No, everybody kid does something, you know, no matter what it is. And like I told people, like, even the person that went went live about the whole accident, you know, assuming what I was doing for my child to be out there in those cars or even to get hurt like that. And I've even came face to face with this man mm-hmm. to let this man know, like... Oh, he was blaming the parent. Yeah, pretty much blaming me. Mm-hmm. And when I finally came face to face with this man, I had an adult conversation with him. But, you know, from what I'm saying to this man and from his face expressions, it's like, okay, he really didn't care. He didn't care to even apologize for assuming. So that's why I tell a lot of people, like, you can't assume what the parent is doing versus what you see their child out here doing. Because I'm a good parent. I take care of, I take care of all my kids. I do what I got to do. I'm clubbing, all of that. Who's not allowed to go out and have fun here and there, you know? But during that situation, I'm at home getting ready for bed, work, get my kids off to do what they got to do so that I can be able to take care of them, you know? Mm. So it's a lot. I try to encourage these kids, even her friends, when she would bring her friends around, I would tell them, like, y'all need to stay out them stolen cars. I said, it's not good. I said, what if one of y'all get hurt one day? I said, my biggest fear is me waking up to a text message or a call saying my daughter is hurt or looking on TV and on the news and seeing my child picture on there. You know, that was my biggest fear. And that fear came, it came true. Right. You know, it came true. I, you know, I didn't wake up to it, but you know, I was getting ready to go to bed. Right. And then to hear him say, a lot of times the Kia boys and what they're doing is kind of like a gateway to, to, higher yes. criminality. These kids now, they have created their own little family. They created their own little family outside of their original family. They all call each other sisters and brothers. Mm. That's just them. That's their own little family. They stick together. Right. No matter what it is, they stick together. Well, how do you think moving forward, what happens when she gets out of the hospital? Do you think that because she went through this, she'll say, this is not for me. I don't want to do this. Or will she go back to that family of kids? No, what I can say, and I'm going to tell you, this is I feel 50-50 on this, too. Okay. Because it's like, like I said, it's not the first time. I've done stopped her before. She'll do good for a while. And then, boom, right back out there, mm-hmm. you know. So 
with her not being able to talk right now, I still ask her questions. She's able to point. Yes, no, not sure. And I asked her, I said, so when you get out of the hospital, do you plan on getting back in stolen cars? She said, yes. She said, yes. Threw me off. Threw me off 100%. So I'm like, now, you know, you've been in those stolen cars. You know, this is the reason why you're in the hospital and the reason why you you just about faced death. She said, yes. I said, okay, so for the sake of me, and not even just for me, but for yourself, can you not be in those stolen cars? Because the next time around, you might not make it. She said, yes. I said, can you make that as a promise? She said, yes. Now, I do believe in my child, no matter what. And with this situation, I want to believe in her 100%. And I know it. If I got to do whatever I got to do in my power to make sure she doesn't go back that way, then that's what I'm going to have to do. But I do pray that she doesn't go back to it. Yeah. Because you're not promised tomorrow. Right. You're not. You can't keep going out and doing the same thing over and over and over and over and expect to come out fine from it. Yeah. Because the next time might not be a next time. Next time I might be burying you. And that's something I don't want to do. Yeah. So I think after that conversation, it, it hit her. Because, you know, she started crying afterwards, I believe. But I you believe know, she'll do good. I hope so. I, I hope really so hope so. And But Cornelius, just seeing that she said initially, yeah, I will go back to right, the stolen that, car. It just makes me feel like, okay, that's what you're going to do when you get better. Yeah. But it, it really brings back that analogy that, of a drug. Correct. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. It's like, it's like an adrenaline for these kids. Yeah. Facts. They addicted. Yeah. And it's hard to break them from it, no matter who's trying to break it from it. I even tell my daughter, like, you know, you could be a spokesperson for this. You can convince sure. these kids. You can let these kids, if these are your friends or you are their friend, you'll let them know, like, hey, I Don't was facing it. death. Yeah. Don't do it. It's not worth it. If being in stolen cars is worth you losing your life and hurting your family, mainly your mother who's raised you, even yeah. dad, it's not worth it. It's not. No, it's not. Um... I hope she sticks to that, that no, I will not. I hope she does too. Um, You know, I really, really do. I do. We're getting really close to the break. So I'm just going to take the break now. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about some of the other things that the interrupters do with Kia boys and kids who are involved and families who are impacted. Mm. This is the 411 Live. We'll be right back. Stay with us. In a society that we were brought up in, it's very hard on little black boys. You have to navigate feelings and emotions so the world don't get you. Sometimes when I cry, I won't know how I'm feeling or why I'm crying. I just grew up never feeling like it was okay to cry. Yeah. And so he really forced me to have to reconnect with the kid that didn't get to cry. That's beautiful. We don't cry. We don't take our peace my name is Gary Parker. I served as a Calvary Scout and a military policeman in the United States Army for 20 years. When I was a Calvary Scout, we had a young lieutenant that came in. Great guy, but he moved on. Got promoted to lieutenant colonel, went on to Afghanistan, and I was able to keep in contact. And I'd wake up one morning, go on social media, and there's that post you don't want to see. For whatever reason, he, he took his own life. 
nobody knows why he did it. And if there's something that we could have done to prevent it from happening, safe gun storage can prevent gun suicide because it's that added step to get to your firearm that might just give somebody a moment of reflection on what they're doing. As a veteran, we need to be ambassadors to people that don't have the knowledge that we have. Anytime you're not storing a weapon safely, you're putting yourself and your community at risk. Service never stops. I'm an ex-drug dealer, and I'll be your sub today. Two milligrams of fentanyl can be lethal. A lethal dose is in here. Who gets it, I won't know. It's cheap, it's potent, and it's profitable. The sad reality is fentanyl is being mixed into everything now. More kitchen now. Welcome back to the 411 Live. Uh, my guest, Cornelius Hall, he is a violence interrupter and Crystal Holmes. And she is the parent of a daughter who was in the car with the Kia boys and was in an accident, critically injured. And of course, we all our thoughts are with her. We want her to get better. So if she can start talking, yes. moving around again, <laughs> yes. the whole yes. bit. When we talked about Cornelius, we were talking about Kia boys being kind of that gateway yeah. to more criminality. You as a violence interrupter, talk about how that figures into that. I know we talked about that on an earlier podcast, sure. but for those who haven't heard that. Okay, so uh, basically, as a violence interrupter, we respond to uh, shootings and murders in the city of Milwaukee. This is a program that was created by Cure Violence uh, out in Chicago. They are having the exact same problems we're having in Milwaukee. But it's not only shootings. I mean, stabbings, fights, accidents that are connected to youth, street gangs, and things like that. After a shooting or a murder, what we do, depending on the situation, we uh, speak to family members of the victims, family members of the possible shooters or their gangs, regardless of whatever situation comes. Mm -hmm. And uh, we try to bring the situation to a ceasefire. That takes time. It puts strain on a lot of things. But ultimately, it usually does stop the violence. It stops the retaliation. It stops this cycle mm -hmm. of retaliation that can go on for decades if something isn't done about it. So that's why uh, the title Interrupter is so serious. We, we don't stop violence, we interrupt violence. Um, there's no room for us to just step in and be like, hey, guys, don't do it. No, we forcefully come in and uh, we do the best that we can to yeah. stop the situation from going any further. Basically, uh, to kind of give an overview, the police are there. They have a job to do. Yeah, Our job happens once the police leave. Because the police, they come, they arrest, they, uh, they investigate, do what they need to do. But the neighborhoods that we're in, everyone is is shell-shocked by it. You know, PTSD is being handed out. There's nothing okay with a teenager seeing a dead body. You know, yeah. people don't sleep for weeks, but no one's there to talk to them about it. So what we do is we make sure that those people get the resources uh, that the city has to offer. Okay. And I should mention that uh, you're a violence interrupter with 414 Life. Correct. Okay, and you're also affiliated with Milwaukee Christian Center. Correct. Right. Just uh, give a quick breakdown. So for Milwaukee Christian Center, I'm connected with the Credible Messenger Program and uh, Violence-Free Zone. So that's mediations within the schools. 
that's picking up uh, caseloads within the school. We're going to help the kids in the schools with grades and make sure they're not fighting or, you know, bringing that street life into the school. And then we kind of transfer over to Credible Messenger slash Forum for Life. And we do the exact same thing, but we do that at the home front. Mm. You know, we do that in the streets. And we do go a little bit past the home front because nine times out of 10, we know way more than the parents do. Right. We are able to get in circles that the parents can't. And, you know, we just, we just help them all the way around to basically get to where they need to go at the end of the day. Being uh, a teen in Milwaukee is hard. It's not easy. We're just making sure that uh, they're making the right choices, you know, right. following up on it. You kind of work in the inners of Milwaukee, so to speak, kind of, or the underground, the Under, places yeah. that we don't see. For sure. Um, and we were talking, I remember uh, a while back in our conversation, talking about the Kia boys, Kia girls, and how that little group all of a sudden can transition into like some kind of gang, say if there's a shooting, somebody. So, and, and this is perfect. First and foremost, I want to say that uh, I really do respect your parenting because uh, I talk to parents that they will not admit like, hey, my kid isn't perfect, you know, and, and that's a you problem when admit. that happens. Yeah, for sure. But how this works is, um, and I'm going to use your daughter, for example, because this is very true. Say the group of Kia boys that her daughter was with, say this accident went the other way and she's not in the hospital right now and she passed away. What they would do is they would create a gang mm-hmm. out of her name. Mm-hmm. And, th- and since they witnessed their friend die, they become hardened to people dying. Mm-hmm. So they start they start buying guns. They start selling drugs. They, they step it up a little bit, level, uh, one level, and mm-hmm. then... The name is the gang is named after a daughter, mm-hmm. and it's only a matter of time where, you know, uh, they go from stealing to bumping heads with other drug crews or other youth street gangs that one of their friends have died, and next thing you know, you have shootings. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! That's literally how it goes. It's either an accident or a shooting yep. that most of the kids are dying in, and um, a gang is created after them in in memory of them because, like she said this sense of family is there. It wasn't there in my generation. Even in my generation, it wasn't It wasn't cool to love a female uh, in middle and high school. Now it is. Yeah. Being in a singular relationship uh, as a kid, is that's what they're doing. Having real love for your brothers and sisters, as they call it, mm. is what it is. So what better than to create this gang remembering this person that you right. loved? Wow. And they bond with that. We uh, within four on four life, we call them pain based groups. Mm. They they bond out of pain, out of pain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they stick to each other. And I swear when she said through thick and thin, I through thick and thin, they will all go to jail <laughs> together. They will all die together. Nobody will snitch They're on nobody. Serious. Yeah. They are a family. They are one. Yeah. Does this kind of explain some of the incidents we've had where there's shootings at funerals? Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, the emotion runs really, really deep with these groups now. And uh, when we do interrupt violence, we we really uh, are careful of how we engage the kids because it's from an emotional standpoint. Nothing's logical. Everything is emotion. Mm-hmm. We move wrong just once on their emotion. We lost them. Or we may be in a situation where we may lose our life. Wow. Yeah, that's that's the culture now. Absolutely, because, you know, and then you got to take into account a kid's brain is not formed 
like ours is. Correct. I mean, they still have growing and things mm-hmm. to connect and everything. So they're not thinking the way we're thinking. Not at all. Yeah. I mean, you do have some kids that do think somewhat like we do. Like my daughter, she 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 was one of those kids who thinks like an adult. Mm-hmm. But when you have that surrounding, that kind of blocks it off. No. Sometimes she's easily provoked. Sometimes she's easily... A person can get her to do things, you know, if she has that much love for that person. It's so easy for her to just like, okay, come on. Yeah. You're my, you my sister. You're my brother. I'm grinding with you, you know? Right. And my daughter is a person that you can honestly, truly call a friend, no matter what it is, no matter what a person needed as far as money, food, a place to lay their head. She can come to me and be like, Mom, well, my friend can't go home right now. Can she? And, you know, my daughter, she knows how I am. I'm not okay with other people's kids constantly being at my house because, like, I don't know if these kids are on the run, runaways, any of that. I'm not, I don't want to house these kids. And, you know, I could possibly have to deal with the parent or, you know, these parents can find out why I'm at because I'm housing their kid, yeah. you yeah. know? It'd be a lot. But my daughter is the definition of a true friend because no matter what it was, she didn't leave them out. Right, right. And I feel that night that happened to her is because she knows she was able to come home, but her friends wasn't. They weren't able to go home. They didn't have nowhere to go. She didn't want to leave them just walking the streets or even riding around in the streets, whether it was a stolen car or not. She just couldn't leave them out there. She was the type of person like, okay, I'm not going to be home, laying down, sleep, warm comfortable, okay, safe, and my friends out here, nothing to eat. Yeah. Not warm, so. Yeah. Uh, Cornelius, with the groups that you work with, with the resources that they have and how they, you know, intervene in family situations, what kind of support, like for Crystal, in her circumstance, would there be resources? Oh, yeah, for sure. We work with our partners at the Office of Violence Prevention. It can go from relocation mental support, anything you could possibly think of, there's resources for that. You know, it's an amazing group of people in the city of Milwaukee that uh, we've sat down and we've thought of everything possible. Uh, And this has been going on far before uh, I came into this field. Mm -hmm. And at this point, uh, we have a system that's built up. Amazing. But of course, in the city of Milwaukee, there's such a big disconnect between local government and the resources that come from it in the neighborhoods. It's a really big disconnect. You may you may live in a city your whole life and not know these resources are there. Right. So that's why we're here now. So for sure with with you, we're gonna we're gonna talk after the fact, uh and we're gonna get some resources to you. Okay. You know, you don't have to go through what you're going through alone. Okay. And for anyone else that does see this or hear this, you don't have to go through what you're going through alone, you know. This is what we're here for. So if somebody's listening and they are going through this, who should they connect with? Uh, They can connect with the Office of Violence Prevention, Forum for Life directly. And there's so many other organizations, West Care, Milwaukee Christian Center. Give any of us a call. I mean, uh, and Forum for Life and Office of Violence Prevention, we both have Instagrams that we are very active on, Facebooks that we're very active on. You reach out, we're going to find you. You know, yeah. it shouldn't be uh, what I try to do is connect with the and, and it's not just me. It's my entire group. We try to connect with the community before the accident, before the shooting, because we are 
in the medical college. We are in Freighter. So we're going to meet you one way or another if you're not living, you know, outside of the underworld in Milwaukee. You right. will meet me. You will meet me, of course. In the proactive vein sure. or the reactive vein. For sure. Some way. It's you're going to meet me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. All right, guys. Well, we're out of time. I could have talked to you guys for, you know, a couple of hours, but I really thank you, uh, Crystal, for coming on and sharing your story and being so transparent. You're welcome. Because there are a lot of people who won't do that. Um, and you have. And again, I wish your daughter all the best. Thank you. And Cornelius, come back anytime. You're always welcome. Thank you for what you do. Um, Thank you. Cornelius Hall, who is a violence interrupter. I like that title, that interrupter. That that says a whole lot in and of itself. So thank you both for joining me. You're welcome. And I want to thank you for another uh, edition of the 411 Live. Thank you for joining us for that. And remember, we're a nonprofit organization. So if you're you kind of like what we're doing, talking to interesting people and community issues, feel free to go to our website, the411live.org, and you can help us out. Uh, you know what? This has been a really informative podcast, and I hope it has been for you. So again, thank you for joining us. Until next time, I'm Beverly Taylor. This is the 411 Live. Real people, real talk. If you would like to check out past episodes, there are many ways. Go to your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Like and watch us on Facebook. Watch and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you have suggestions for future episodes, go to our website, the411live.org.